Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. God's wisdom revealed through the church. Really? The perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Even today, you could say especially today. Wow. So that is that's the big thing isn't it that's the thing so is chapter 4 a bit of an anticlimax after that no of course not although it could be interpreted as that because my, my version the NIV here says instructions for Christian living yeah we love instructions don't we for Christian living we can't get enough of those So let's read them. Actually, before I read them, before I read them, um, hmm. let me just uh, share with you what I first thought when I was given this, this passage. Actually, I was given the choice of two bits of Ephesians to preach on, and Laura got the one that, um, that I, well, I, I looked at both of them, and both of them, honestly, really turned me off. And, and I'll tell you why. It's because it felt like they were full of lots of don'ts, you know, lots of no to this, less of that, stop doing this. Uh, you know, th- there were lots of do nots. And maybe it just exposed a bit of immaturity in me, but when I read it, I felt like I was being told off. I felt like I was being reminded of things I used to do or things I'd done in the past or things I'm still doing, Uh, particularly when I recognized some of the things that were described as definitely don't do that thing. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. Um, So so it it kind of made me shrink a bit. Um, I'm telling you this because when I read it, it may have the same effect on you. And I guess I'm telling you this because I want to assure you that there's more to this than that. There's more to this than do nots. There are some do's that actually are more powerful than the do nots. I want to, I want to, um, I want to minimize the do nots. And I want to maximize the do's, okay? I want to belittle the do-nots, not in an irreverent way, but but, but actually the power is in the do's, not the do-nots. Hopefully you'll see what I mean when I read it. 
Um, it kind of reminded me of um, an occasion when I was at when I was at high school. Um, I was quite new to I was new to that high school actually. I, I didn't go with any friends to to the high school. I was kind of by myself at this high school. Um, and I didn't know anybody really, but eventually I got to know people. But, but one of the first uh, things I remember about this high school was on every corridor, there was the double doors, you know, and then you went through the doors into another corridor. And on every set of double doors was a sign that said, do not run. Okay, either that or, or, or no running. Do not, but it, it, it was something like, do not run in this corridor. And as I got more confidence at that school, um, I, uh, all I could think about was the word run. You see, the, every sign said, do not run, do not run, don't run, no running. And in my mind was run, run, running, running. So, if, you know, occasionally, just for the hell of it, I would run along the corridor. I wouldn't have run along the corridor if that sign hadn't have been there, I don't think. It's just because it just put that word into my head, so I'm blaming the sign. Eventually, when I got even more confident in that school, I would devise, um, because often the, the sound of the head teacher or the teacher like shouting down the corridor would kind of be, a, be over my head, you know, Brown, do not, what does the sign say? Brown, do not run, you know, that kind of teacher's voice. Uh, then I devised a number of ways to get down the corridors without running, because the sign says do not run, but in much more fun ways. So I used to moonwalk down the corridor occasionally, or, or even cartwheel down the corridor. Uh, I used to skip down the corridor. I used to pirouette down the corridor. I found so many imaginative ways to travel to and from lessons. Uh, at first it just amused myself, <laughs> really, but um, I can highly recommend it. Um, and, and each one I could justify because the sign said do not run it didn't say do not pirouette okay I haven't to this day seen a sign that says do not pirouette <laughs> um, also reminded me of this if you grew up in the 70s and 80s you'll know this um, John could you project there yeah have a good look at it the memories might come flooding back. This is one of the, the landmark kind of bits of graphics from, from the 80s, isn't it? You know, you go to a public swimming baths, and on the, on the wall, every so often, is this sign telling you what not to do. And they've changed the language a bit, kindly refrain from, but that means do not. So no running, no pushing, no acrobatics or gymnastics. Oh. No shouting, no ducking, no petting, no bombing, no swimming in diving area, no smoking. Like, where's the joy now in going swimming? <laughs> I can't take my cigarettes with me. I didn't even know what petting was, but now I'm being told no petting. Actually, that was the one I really honed in on at the swimming pool. Because it was a new word for me. And I didn't really understand what it was, but it looked really good. When you're age seven and eight, that kind of thing that they're calling petting looks great. So, of course, that was in my mind all the time. Don't mind telling you. Or perhaps I do. <laughs> so, yeah. I've avoided petting ever since. 
So, anyway, with all of that in mind, here are some instructions for Christian living. From um, reading now from the NIV version, Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorances that is in, sorry, the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's a, it's a difficult word. But, you know, I, I, I've struggled with this, uh, and I've kind of I've, I've got past the the distraction almost of the, of the do-nots. So I, I kind of want to share with you that, that process really. Um, you see, do-not speaks of external control. If you're shouting up the corridor at somebody, telling them to do not do something, you're trying to control their, their behavior. And we know that our new self uh, sanctified through Christ, our new self is not under external control in, in that way. Um, and actually, one of the one of the one of the flavors, as Peter would put it, one of the flavors of the fruit of the spirit is is two words that we often uh, don't really like: self-control. One of the f flavors possibly the least popular flavor of the fruit of the Spirit, a bit like blackcurrant starburst. The least popular flavor, perhaps, is, is self-control. Why? Well, because we look at the word self and we think, well, no, our old self has gone. 
you know, uh, and we associate the word self with selfishness, self-righteousness, self, um, what else, self-centered, yeah, self-seeking, self-promoting, all of that is gone now. You know, I, I, I am no longer in self-righteousness because of God's righteousness. I, I no longer need self-justification because I am justified through Christ. And yet, we have this thing, self-control. Why do we have self-control? Well, if we didn't have self-control, we would be controlled by an external power. And actually, God loves us so much that he doesn't seek to control us in that way. He set us free. Also, relying on an external control in that way, it, it kind of perpetuates a dependency culture, um, which is not healthy. That's how addictions start. You know, it's out of my control, I can't control this. Well, actually, you can. You know, we, we choose addictions. Addictions don't choose us. Compulsive behavior. The devil manipulates that type of dependency culture where we're blaming external factors all the time and we're saying it's out of our control. Conversely, um, when, you, when you take that control in a right way and develop self-control, um, I'm going to call it something else actually, self-regulation. The devil flees from that. Because some of the things that manifest are, are grace, kindness, it says in, in, in the scripture. Forgiveness, kindness, compassion. Honest living. very easy to, um, to get into ha habits, to get into a way of living that we feel is out of our control, and we know it's unhealthy, and we know it's getting worse, not better, but we feel unable uh, to, to do anything about that. Uh, one thing in the week preparing that, that kept coming to my mind, which I wasn't particularly happy about, was, was the subject of pornography. Ooh, there, I've said it. <laughs> but it kept coming back, the, the word, you know, not anything else. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you something. Awkward. I'm going to share with you something quite deliberately. Um, it's, it's kind of a funny story. It's a little bit of an embarrassing story, particularly for me, because it involves me. Um, what, what's he going to say, I hear you think? Well, it goes back to when I was in my teens, um, and it was, um, quite significantly, it was leading up to, to my um, making a commitment. I became a Christian when I was 16 or 17, and um, a couple of years before that, um, at my, again at my high school, I, uh, I, I, I got given to me two or three magazines. 
really interesting magazines. Um, bit of a gender bias in them. Um, in fact, it was exclusively females in, in these magazines. Um, taking part in a number of pastimes and, and occupations. You know, some of them like to be in the outdoors, in the woodlands. Uh, some of them like to be secretaries, etc., uh, etc. Et I won't go into too much detail. However, what unified all of these females was they seemed to really like taking their clothes off. So they would start off with clothes on, and by the time you turn to the second or third page, completely starkers. Okay? There, I've said it. So I had these magazines for a couple of years. Why did I have them for so long? Well, because actually once I had them, I didn't know really how to not have them. And um, I kept them hidden. I kept them hidden in my house. And every so often, when there was nobody around, I would dig them out and have a look at them, okay? Um, wasn't very often because I, uh, I grew up in a family of 10 and so I didn't have many moments, to, but, but actually that made it all the more kind of um, seductive because it's like, oh, I've, I've got five minutes now. Oh, you know, I've got a chance. And I would go and, 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 and have a look at these, these uh, very happy looking ladies. <laughs> um, so why am I telling you this? Well, I really don't know, but I'm going to continue to tell you this until I do know. When I became a Christian, one of the first things on my mind when I got back home was, ah, I've got those magazines, I need to do something about that. I guess it was conviction. I felt convicted to, to do something about that, to kind of sever that link with that kind of hidden thing I had. So this is what I chose to do. Now, the, from this point on, there is no moral to this story, okay? In other words, I'm not recommending you do what I did, okay? Just bear that in mind. What I decided to do was take them to, um, take them to a, a, a wide open space, uh, put them in a pile and burn them, okay? I thought if I burn them, then I'm not passing them on to somebody, uh, you know, nobody else will, will use these. If I put them in the bin, Typically, my, my dad or my mum will see them in the bin, so I'm not, there's no way I'm doing that. I decided to burn them. Now, in between Edwards Road and Grafton Road, there used to be an old school building with an old schoolyard. That's where I took them. I used to go and have a, the odd cheeky cigarette there, so I knew that I could get into that, that schoolyard. So I took them there, and I had a couple of friends with me, who both, both of whom questioned the logic, but I ignored them. And uh, I tried to... It's impossible to set fire to a magazine, by the way. What you have to do is individually, I've learned this the hard way, individually rip the pages and kind of semi-crumple them so you create a, a lot of kind of air around them. So I made this massive pile, took ages of semi-crumpled <laughs> semi pages. And then eventually I managed to set fire to them. It was, a, it was a lovely summer's day, much like today. Why do I remember that? Well. It was a lovely sunny day, and lots of people were out in their gardens, enjoying the summer sunshine. There was lots of kind of family chat floating in the air. People were enjoying kind of a nice time in their gardens in a very middle-class part of Whitley Bay. There was a slight breeze. I remember that too. I also remember the science of what happens when you set fire to paper. Somehow it becomes lighter than air even if it's not totally burned. So many of the pages started to float 
up into the air and across the yard, and, and I, they were kind of spread amongst all the gardens of, of, of Whitley Bay, or so it felt. And then I, I started to see people popping their heads over the wall to see, I could hear comments like, like, Mum, there's boobs on fire! <laughs> that sort of comment. It's awful, I know. And then they were popping their heads over the wall, and there, there were a couple of comments, Isn't that, is that one of the brown kids? Um, and there was nothing I could do about it. Nothing I could do about it. Um, I would like to say that was one of the, or if not the most embarrassing moment of my life, but, but actually <laughs> I've got loads of them. I've got loads of them. But there was a definite end to that, that two years, you know. Um, it, it literally went up in flames and floated through the ether to everybody's household. Kind of, it was almost like a, a prophetic kind of vision of what the internet would become, I felt. Not really. Um, all I wanted to do was to kind of climb into a hole and, and, and shrink away. I've deliberately decided to tell you that story because, um, because it's, it's funny, it's a bit embarrassing, um, but no, neither of those things give pornography any more power than it deserves, okay? I, I'm deliberately belittling, I guess, pornography because the, the, the power of pornography partly is in its hiddenness, okay? And, when we, and also the power of pornography is that we feel, and, and it's mostly men, and it's most men, I guess, at some point in our lives, we feel it's, it's a big deal, uh, and we, we have to then deal with shame. You see, we make it a big deal, and then it becomes harder to get rid of. Feels al almost like the countries that, that, that kind of um, turn away from their, their uh, nuclear weapon program, and then they've got to get rid of all their nuclear waste. How do you do that? You know, it, you've got to do it very carefully, etc., etc. It felt a bit like that. It felt a bit like North Korea in that backyard. <laughs> You see, it, it, in one sense, it's not a big deal, okay? And let's not make it something so massive that we can never tell, we can never, we can never do anything about it, and we feel powerless to, to regain control over that area of your life. That's what I'm saying. You see, when we see it as such a big deal, we, we give it this status, and we make it a, 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 a such a massive thing that we feel powerless to ever do anything about, whether we think it's okay or not okay. Since then, for me anyway, pornography has not been a big thing in my life. It's not, never has uh, since then. Now again, going back to the moral of the story is not take your porn and book, well I guess we've got the internet now so that's a bit hard. Um, but maybe it's just to say that if you make it a big thing, you will hide it. And if you hide it, that becomes part of a, a kind of a, a vicious cycle with, with shame and hiddenness and shame and hiddenness and shame and hiddenness. And that's really difficult. Perhaps uh, the perception is that's impossible to get out of. It's not impossible to get out of. But don't make it a big thing. Another power behind pornography is that feeling of instant gratification. 
I don't have to work hard for this. I get to see what I want and do what I want, and I don't have to work hard for it. Because, you know, relationships are hard, aren't they? They require us to fight for relationships, to fight for, for kind of our rights in a relationship, to, to struggle, to fall out, to get back together, to, you know, to build a relationship. It's a slow burner, isn't it? No pun intended. That instant gratification doesn't just apply to, to pornography. That instant gratification we find in so many areas of life, in food. I was having a conversation before about um, processed food. You know, processed food, conveniently packaged with far too much plastic, by the way, um, often contains the very foodstuffs that instantly give us that hit, sugar, salt, um, lots of kind of uh, sort of brown starches, um, you know, white flour, those things that instantly make us feel energized or, or good about ourselves, it contains loads of those. What processed food doesn't contain much of is anything that has any lasting value. And there's kind of a, there's a, a similarity there, isn't there, with, with pornography versus meaningful relationships. What do you do, though, if you are, if that is your normal daily diet? You know, the, the food that makes you feel great, you know, a whole tub of ice cream or whatever. What do you do um, about that? You may feel powerless to turn that around. Actually, you're not powerless. I don't think what we should do is avoid those things. Because if we're avoiding those things, it becomes a do not. And we're still thinking about those things. If I go about, go about life avoiding cake, I'm still thinking about cake. Do you see what I mean? The, the, the practical solution to both of these examples is actually to put into your life and put your life into something positive that you can do, not do not, that you can do that over time gives you sustainable uh, and real health benefits, but at first you know that it won't give you that instant gratification. Something you have to work on actually, so you won't get that instant hit, but you know, long-term, that is the thing that's going to bring you life and not death. So it's about what you do in a positive way and, and where you put your mind and your heart and your actions. Uh, and when you do that, you won't have time for the thing that used to be a problem. But you've got to do that. You've got to go in that direction. Not avoiding the do-nots, but, but pursuing the do's. Not avoiding, avoiding the thing that has always got you and trapped you, not avoiding the things, but pursuing the things that you know bring about life and health. I'm telling you this with absolute conviction, but you know what, this has taken me years, taking, present continuous, taking me years to learn. I'm not an expert yet, but I know it's the truth. And I know it works. I know it works just as well for, for diet as it does for um, for getting rid of something that has become habitual and addictive in your life that you know is bringing about death. That creeping death that we feel inside. You see, the, the thing that brings about instant gratification is a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit to what we're really meant to have in our lives. Counterfeits are often really attractive and give us an instant hit, but nothing lasting. So we recognize that they're not the real thing, but we still settle for them. 
the potential, the capacity, the ability to, to, um, to pursue a wholesome, healthy, slowly grown life of love is in all of us. The capacity, the potential, the ability is in all of us to slowly pursue that. But when we shortcut that, when we pursue a counterfeit, it, it only brings about death. So, whatever this looks like for you, let's expose those things. Let's expose them, let's belittle them, let's put them in their proper place, and let's pursue the things that have lasting benefits. No more fear, no more shame, no more hiding, no more avoiding. Start to do, start to pursue. And use your self-regulation. Self-regulation is, I guess, my chosen alternative expression to self-control. Um, it's, 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 it's an expression from my profession, education, okay? Um, I haven't, I can't tell you from my head a definition of self-regulation, so I've got one here. Self-regulation is the ability to monitor and control our own behavior, emotions, or thoughts, altering them in accordance with the demands of the situation. Um, this definition is, is in um, documentation for assessing the learning and, and progress of three and four-year-olds. When children are three and four and they start school, there are there are so many assessment criteria by which the professionals in that school will, will kind of check those children, grade them, assess them, making sure they're on track for a healthy lifestyle thereafter. The, and including things like literacy, reading, writing, etc. The, the, the number one uh, factor that they assess and look for in children that leads to and this is research, proven, evidenced, that leads to success in later life is not reading, not writing, not phonics, not um, telling the time, not um, et cetera, et cetera. It's self-regulation. That has been proven now in, in our young children that if they have that and develop that, that is the thing that leads to the most success in life, self-regulation. And I think it has a real parity in meaning with self-control. The ability to monitor and control our own behavior, emotions, or thoughts, altering them in accordance with the demands of the situation. If you do anything for your kids, make sure that, make sure that they have this, this confidence, this growing confidence to know that they are powerful people, to know that they are in a loving relationship, that they can take a step forward, without being overly reliant on help or somebody saying, be careful. You know, it's that growing confidence. Uh, uh, make sure they are, they are able to make decisions for themselves and, and have reasons why, so that they, they are reasoning. You know, and, and these things don't, don't need to be a heavy burden on, on children. You know, this is through play. This is through using their imaginations. They develop that self-regulation. And it's that emotional literacy as well. But, but we need to develop it too.
So when you, when you look at a passage in the Bible that's full of stops and do nots, uh, look for, look for the do's. So yes, stop, stop avoiding greed. Um, stop avoiding anger. Stop avoiding rage. Stop avoiding stealing. And I say stop avoiding, not stop, because if you stop avoiding something, you're starting to pursue something else. So stop avoiding greed. Pursue a healthy food routine. Stop avoiding anger. Pursue peace. Stop stealing. Stop avoiding stealing. Pursue honesty and openness. Stop avoiding unwholesome talk. If I'm thinking, don't swear, don't say anything rude, I'll probably say something rude. So stop avoiding it, but start pursuing words that, that bring about blessing. Actually, another thing that happened to me when I became a Christian, the age of 16 or 17, was that before that then, it felt like I was in the habit of, of using foul and abusive language. And there was a bit of anger behind that. And often when I was angry, it would come out, you know, just F-bombs everywhere. When I became a Christian, that was the first miracle I experienced. I've got no explanation for this other than to say I knew that it had gone. So the day after, sorry, the day before I became a Christian, I was at, a, a, I was at some sort of like festival type camp thing where there's like tents and worship and stuff. I was there with Alan. Um, and the Wigglesworths and a couple of other people. I was even swearing on, the, on the, the day leading up to me making a commitment at a Christian camp. You know, it was just, it just, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it. A friend took me aside and said, Richard, you really can't use language like that when you're sitting in front of people like Sheila Wigglesworth. <laughs> Hopefully Sheila doesn't remember that. The point is, the day after, it had gone. And I knew God had done it. Now, in my life since, I have used um, horrible language. But there's never been, it's never been a habitual thing that I can't do anything about. Often I choose to. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? I mean, it just doesn't come out because it's not a habit anymore. Yeah? And it's not a big deal. That's what I wanted to say. So, start pursuing words that bless. Has anyone ever been blessed by my words? Just a show of hands, please. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Whew. Stop avoiding. <laughs> Stop avoiding instant gratification. Stop avoiding the easy and sleazy. And start pursuing slow-grown relationships. Start pursuing slow-grown relationships. I say slow-grown because you don't get that instant hit at first with relationships. They're hard work. But that's what brings about life in our community. Hmm. I want to finish with two things. Something that Rachel Shaw once said, and I wrote it down straight away. Otherwise, I would have forgotten it. The triune God is a community which we are invited into. And another thing, we are grafted into the saving grace of God, but only through relationships, plural, only through relationships can we live a healthy forever after. Amen.